0: Praise the Lord. Uh, Sister, Sister Lydia thanked Brother Fernandez, uh, <laughs> Brother Thomas Fernandez. And I think I also need to thank him uh, because it is not often that I hear my wife being called as Pastor Leslie's wife. <laughs> so very often it's the other way around, I am known as uh, Sister Padmani's husband. <laughs> So thank you so much, brother. The praise and worship team uh, reminded me that uh, 29th is a very special night. Uh, But half the congregation has probably not seen the appropriate announcement. Uh, So to make sure that everybody sees it and that nobody can complain that they haven't seen the announcement, we're putting it on again. So please read it carefully. If you are slow of reading, let me know. I shall give you appropriate time for that. It is a night of victorious praise. And you've got to be there. So now nobody can say, either the back or at the front or in the middle, no one can say that you haven't seen this one so please make sure that you are here on 29th right let's move on uh, i'd like to start off by having a song which i'm going to ask the president, the uh, av team to put on it's called i cannot come to the banquet if you know it join in otherwise it.
1: I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray, hold me excused. I cannot come. A certain man held a feast on his finest estate in town. He laid a festive table and wore a wedding gown. He sent invitations to his neighbors far and wide. But when the meal was ready, each of them replied, I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray hold me, excuse, I cannot come. The master rose up in anger, called his servants by name, said, Go into blind and the lame, fetch the peasant and the pauper, for this I have will. My banquet must be crowded and my table must be filled. I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet, don't trouble me now, I have married a wife, I have bought me a cow, I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray, hold me, excuse, I cannot come. When all the poor has And the byways and force them to come in. My table must be filled before the banquet can begin. I cannot come. I cannot come to the banquet. Don't trouble me now. I have married a wife. I have bought me a cow. I have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum. Pray me. excuse. I cannot come. Now God has mentioned. banquet for that great and glorious day when the lord and master calls us be certain not to say i cannot come i cannot come i cannot come to the banquet don't trouble me now i have married a wife i have bought me a cow i have fields and commitments that cost a pretty sum pray hold me excuse i cannot come
0: shall we just take a moment to commit this time into the lord's hands And let's just pray that God will speak to us, that he will minister unto us. Let's pray that each one of our hearts will be receptive to his word, to that which he is talking to us this day. And where decisions have to be made, pray, Lord, that the decisions will be God-ordained. Pray, Lord, that this time will truly be a time when you will be glorified and your word will be expounded. We give all praise, honor, and glory to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Will you turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 14? and We shall read verses 16 to 24, and I shall read it from the New King James Version. We are reading from the Word of God the same words that were sung in that song. Luke 14, verses 16 to Then he said to him, a certain man gave a a, a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city. And bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Let me continue by asking you a question at this point. How many of you truly believe that God placed you here with a purpose? That's about 70%. Okay, but that's good. To those people who said yes, that you know that you're here, God has placed you with a purpose. My second question is this are you accomplishing that purpose? You said you knew God placed you here with a purpose. If you know what that purpose is, if you knew that God had placed you here with a purpose, the second automatic question that follows is, Are you accomplishing that purpose? In the book of Esther, in chapter 1, we have the story of Queen Vashti. She was called by the king, and she was ordered to portray herself. But she refused to obey, and as a result, she was thrown out of the palace. Now, I'm not going to go into the theological theories and hypotheses as to whether the king was right or whether the queen was right. But but the simple fact of the matter was she was called, she was instructed, she disobeyed, she was thrown out. You are called, you are instructed, are you obeying? If If you are not obeying, the answer is the same, you will be thrown out. You see, take our secular jobs as an example. Most of us work in some job or the other. And when we get those jobs, we are contracted or we have a, you know, a t- terms of reference or we have a job description that we are expected to accomplish. We say, this is the job. Every day you need to do this. Or every month you need to do this. What happens if you don't do it? Why is it that some of us, despite having eight-hour jobs, we work 14 hours? Why is it we stay on and on trying to do and trying to accomplish something that your boss has asked you to accomplish? Because if you don't, it simply means you get thrown out. But when you go back to that passage in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, yes, it is the story of the great banquet the Father is preparing for you and me. But when it is time to partake in that banquet, will we willingly go or will we be making excuses? Will we still be saying, no, I have a few more rooms to add to my mansion. I still need to buy a couple more kilos of gold. I still need to expand the size of my television. I still need to rise up in my company. Because I am the assistant CEO, but I need to retire as the CEO. God, wait a minute. Just hang on a bit. Let that banquet wait a little bit. Is this what we are going to tell God? I cannot come seems to be the standard excuse that many of us make all the time. And God is not interested in that excuse. He is not pleased. He is not amused. He is simply not interested in that excuse that we make, I cannot come. And in his anger, what does God say? In Luke uh, chapter we read, 14 verse 24, it says this, and let me read it from the New Living Translation. For none of those I invited first will get even the smallest taste of what I had prepared for them. None of those who I had invited first will get even the smallest taste of what I had prepared for them. Now let's for a moment contextualize that slightly differently. Let's transpose transpose that same parable into a present day context. God is calling every one of us to service. Every one of us in this hall is called to serve the Lord. Service in the Lord's kingdom is not part-time. There is no part-time appointment in God's kingdom. Your secular job may be part-time. Because you do that only 6 hours, 8 hours, 10 hours, 20 hours a day. Service in God's kingdom is full-time. Now how many of us are truly serving him that way? And, and I'm addressing this, me included. To even those, who, those of us who are currently serving in one ministry or the other. Because we really need to ask ourselves this question. Am I truly serving him with all that I have? Am I truly serving him with all that I can? Or am I just serving him to make sure that my name is on some ministry list? You see, many of us appear to be extremely busy with the secular jobs we possess. But just remember that our secular jobs are entirely secondary to our primary godly purpose. You can give yourself a designation. Physician, surgeon, pathologist, Mechanical engineer, IT engineer, petroleum engineer, chartered accountant, manager, salesperson, pharmacist, nurse, anything. It doesn't matter. But when it comes to the word of God, you don't find any of these designations. There is absolutely none of these designations in the word of God. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And let me read for you a selection of verses, and I will use the new international version. Verse 1, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Verse 11 and 12. It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. There are offices that are there in God's kingdom. But the objective of those offices are not for personal development, but is to develop the church into service for God. So again, the question is, where are you serving the Lord? It is time for most of us to stop saying, I cannot come. And that is also the title of today's message, I cannot come. It is now the time for action. A time for decision for some of us. And as I look, I see the defenses already coming up. Let me list out some of those defenses. Because your defenses are not creatively new. They have been used from time immemorial. Number one, I'll just give you a sampling of these defenses. Number one, preaching or ministry, that's not for me. That's for the pastors. I'm not qualified I am not qualified. Who in the Bible has gone through a Bible school? Or a theological seminary? Or has prepared a thesis? Or has written multiple essays? As far as I know, none. Peter was a fisherman, not a Bible scholar. And yet God called him and used him. His prime characteristic was that as a fisherman, he had the ability to persevere and be patient. God said, I need that character. And I need you. Come, Peter. And using those characters, God made him a fisher of men. Paul is probably the one person you will quote as being an expert theologian. A person who studied under a hyper-expert theologian called Gamaliel. All that is fine. But remember, before God could use him, he had to take away all that. Because what Paul tells us is that everything that he had, he considered as rubbish and dung. God had to undo all the learning that Paul had. But there was one characteristic which God did not take away from Paul. He said zeal. Paul had zeal. Paul had a drive to go and do what he had to do. When he was with Gamaliel, in his pre-Damascus Road days, he had the zeal to do what he had to do. And after that Damascus Road experience, when things totally changed for him, he still had the zeal and the drive to go and do what he had to do. So whatever learning he had learned at the feet of Gamaliel was not very important. What was important was his drive, his motivation, his zeal. The question for us is not if we are qualified or not. The real question is if we are willing or not. Number two I will do ministry later when I retire. How often have we heard this? I am in the prime of life now. I am very busy in my company. My company cannot survive without me. The company survived very well without you before you joined the company. After you join the company, recession has come. When you leave, the company will survive very well. So let us not assume that the company, the college, the institution is not going to survive without me. That is impossible. Okay, so then the question comes I will do ministry when I retire. How many of you intend to do parenting when you retire? How many of you intend doing lecturing when you retire? How many of you intend doing anything when you retire? So why is it that retirement has become a criteria for service in God's kingdom, but it's not a criteria anywhere else? So this story, I will do ministry later, when I retire, doesn't really hold water. Ministry is not when you retire. Ministry is now. You've got to be in it now when you can. Number three, excuse number three. My circumstances at the moment are not right for the ministry. Heard yourself say that? Let, let my situation improve a little bit, brother. I'll, I'll, I'll join the ministry. Really? Really? I've also said these, huh? so it's not that, I'm, I'm not, uh, not that I haven't done it, I've said the same things. Believe me, your circumstance, your situation right now is just right for ministry. It can't be worse than the following examples I'm going to give you. Joseph, sold by his brothers, imprisoned illegally, God wanted him there to serve a nation. Esther, queen in a land that hated God. God wanted her there to save that nation. Jonah, groaned in a watery grave. God wanted him there to save a city. Peter, in prison, God wanted him there to save a family. A maid in Naaman's house, God wanted her there to save a man. John, isolated on an island called Patmos, God wanted him there to write a book to save the world. Jesus, hanging on a cross for no fault of his God wanted him there to save you and me and you are telling me your circumstance is not right you have food on the table you have your aces which work well you have a roof on your head over your head. You have four wheels or sometimes six wheels to take you from one place to another. Your circumstances can't be any better than this. Just look at all these people. My circumstances are not right for ministry. That is pure bunkum. Excuse number four. I am not competent to do ministry. Why me? Now, a few years back, when the church council asked me to be ordained as an associate pastor in Bread of Life, my question to the Lord was, why me? I think, to some extent, I had the same ideas that early prophets had, or what King Solomon had, for example. God, how can I lead your people? He said hard-headed people. Okay, I'm not using those words. Okay. But I was scared of you guys. Okay. Anyway, I said, why me? God told me clearly, don't have the Moses mentality. Every time God told him to do something, he would ask a question. He couldn't do it. He couldn't speak. He couldn't walk, whatever it is. He had something to say. God said, have the Samuel mentality. When God called Samuel, he said, here I am. That's the mentality that God wants from us. When David fought with Goliath, he did not go in his strength or in his power. He went in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. Do you think you can't do it? When you're given a task in the ministry, do you think you can't really do it? You're right. You can't do it. Neither can I. Neither can Pastor Abraham. Neither can Brother Claudie. Or Pastor Sean. Nobody can. Unless it is the Lord who goes before us. And therefore, when you do something in the ministry, you do not go in your might... You do not go with your abilities. You simply say, God, here I am. What do you want me to do? You lead, I follow. You jump, I will jump. And that's the way the ministry works. It's not about what you want to do. It's not about what I want to do. It's about what God wants to do. And that's the way has always worked. So it's got nothing to do whether you are competent or not. If we start looking around like that, there are many more competent people than the ministers of God that you see around the world today. Excuse number five. I am still waiting for the call. I am still waiting for the call. Brother and sister, let me tell you this. The day of your salvation is the day of your call. If you say today that you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you have received the call. You don't need for any other gold welcome to welcome to come to you. Again, let me tell you a true story, which happened with me. December 2005, I was with Pastor Sam for the first time. Now, because in January 2006, the Gubra home cell was to start at our home, and uh, Pastor Sam was to be the cell leader. So I was in his house finding out uh, what needs to be done and uh, the arrangements and et cetera, et cetera. And Pastor Sam wanted a complete CV of every member of the cell. He wasn't interested in the secular job. He said, I'm not bothered about that. What they do outside, that's not important. I want their CV in church. Which ministry is this brother in? Which ministry is this sister in? What do they do in church? That's all I need to know. That is CV. So I started listing out, and then I realized that for most of them, they weren't in any ministry. So I said, uh, Pastor, they're waiting for the call. <laughs> no, Pastor Sam is a tough nut to crack, huh? So when I told him that they were waiting for the call, he read out a verse for me from 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 19. And he said, And this is what he read out. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Or in other words, is there not a need? You see, this is the story of David going to fight against Goliath. He was not called to fight. He wasn't even in the army then. He had just gone there taking some snacks for his brothers. But there was a need for somebody to defeat Goliath at that point of time. The trained, the qualified, the called army men were not doing their job. They were the called, they were the qualified, they were the trained, but they were not doing their job. They were sitting in fear. They couldn't even stand against Goliath. And so David said, Is there not a need? Why are you guys getting upset with me if I say, can I go and fight against this guy? Somebody's got to go against this guy. You see, David was not trained in warfare at that point of time. But what he saw was he saw a need. He jumped in, he defeated Goliath. The story is the same today. Just look around. Now, most of you know the different ministries we have in in Bread of Life. Look around. Where is there a need? Look around. Find out which ministry actually has a need. And you will find that almost every ministry has a need, some more than others. Are you willing to join? You see, that need, if you look around, is your call. That need that you see is your call. Now I've given you a sample of examples, just five different examples. You might have more, okay? And if you do have more, let me know. I would like to build up my my message with a few more excuses, it's okay. But my appeal to you is simply this. It is time to stop saying I cannot come it is time to say, here I am, Lord, use me. But then I don't want you to take any decision without knowing what the word of God says. Let the word of God convict you. And so here are four points. Number one, you are created to serve God. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Before you were born, I knew you. You were created to serve the Lord. And the task was also given in verse 10. He says, see, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down to destroy and to throw away, to build and to plant. Just think, you and I have been created to serve God. We have not been created to satisfy our selfish desires. I was listening the other day to a TED talk by Shah Rukh Khan. Okay, 16 minutes. Very interesting. Very humorous. Okay, And in that, he talks about, he's an actor, so he talks about selfish, selfie obsession. He said that's what he is as an actor. He needs to look at himself all the time. He needs people to look at him all the time, obsession with himself. He said, that's my profession. If people are not obsessed with me, if I cannot be obsessed with myself, I will fail as an actor. But what, is, but what do we see from the Bible? It's not about you and me. You and I are created to serve God. And God has written an assignment for every one of us. Just go to the word of God and the assignment is there. In fact, if you just read the four Gospels and the book of Acts, there is only one assignment that is given to all of us go preach. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If anything is repeated in the Bible, it is of utmost importance. Go preach is repeated five, four times after Matthew. So you see, our assignment is already written. You were created to serve God. Number two, you are saved to serve God. You are saved to serve God. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verses 8 to 9. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. You have been saved to serve God. We are not saved by service. We are saved for service. So, if you have been saved, if you are saved, and you aren't serving the Lord all the time, retrospect. Find out. Take away those masks that the devil keeps putting in front of our eyes. Oh, you're, you're, you're doing well. You know, You're doing a little bit, but that's fine. That's good enough. That's enough. Yeah? God has got a lot of other people to serve him. Yes, God has the whole world to serve him. But God says, I want you. If God wanted the other person, why would he say that to me? God wants him. But God wants me also. So, But we let the devil come and say, okay, a little bit that I've done, yes, I've done my duty. My good deed for the day is done. It doesn't work that way. Number three, what's the biblical proof that we need to serve God? You are called to serve God. Romans, chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, things may not always happen the way we want it to happen. But just keep serving the Lord. Everything will work out well. Ask those who have gone through real, real huge trouble and have come out on the other side. They will tell you, that it doesn't really matter what you go through. Just focus on God. Just keep serving the Lord. The minute you start putting your trust on God, the minute you serve God with all that you have and all that you can, with all your might, with all your ability, with all your talents, God takes care of things around you. You don't need to bother about that. I'm not saying don't do your responsibilities as men, as women. You have your responsibilities. You have to do that. But the simple matter is when you are called to serve according to his purposes the other things he takes care of. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. What are you looking for? Every bit of it is going to be added unto you. Okay. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. Serve him. And serve Him alone. Number four, you are commanded to serve God. You're not requested to serve God. I could do that. I could request you to serve God. God doesn't request you to serve God. God commands that you serve God. Exodus chapter 23, verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness from the midst of you it doesn't say so you may serve the Lord your God it is so you shall serve the Lord your God and then he will bless you and he will take away sickness and isn't that our prayer all the time? I was sick God touched me he healed me so we all want health good health we don't want sickness But God says here, you shall serve the Lord your God and he will make sure that no sickness comes your way. You are commanded to serve God. The American president, Kennedy, once said, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. We need to rephrase that in our context a little bit. Ask not what the church can do ask what you can do for the church. As I close, let me just mention two ministries that have needs right now amongst all the other ministries. Not that any ministry is totally sufficient. You can look around. But just to give you an example, the Friday School Children's Ministry. Two weeks back, we had the Friday School Children presenting and leading us in the service. And at that point, Brother Kenneth did mention, he said, these are the teachers who are taking care of these children. These are the teachers who are training your children. But we need more. So very often, these teachers can't be in the, in the congregation because they are taking care of your children and my children. We need more. That was the plea of Brother Kenneth two weeks back. Think about it. The ushers' ministry. Do you see them running around here, there, everywhere? They're right at the back, so we don't see them. Doing things here, doing things there, doing things elsewhere. Involved with everybody. So very often, they don't get to participate in the full service totally focused, like many of us can. So very often I sit here, so I'm, I'm totally focused as to what's happening in front. I don't even know what's happening at the back. But take the ushers. They don't have enough people. Think about that. Now if you are led to serve in any ministry, be it the Friday school, the ushers, or any other ministry, please collect enrollment forms. They are available with Brother Francis, Brother Kenneth. You can collect them from them. Fill them up and return them to the appropriate ministry leader. However, I do need to mention that before you fill up these forms, there are certain criteria. There are five criteria that need to be fulfilled. And let me mention it up front. Number one, you must be born again. Serving as a worker in God's vineyard requires that you have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Number one, you must be born again. Number two, you must be water baptized and that baptism should be by immersion. Number three, you must be a registered member of the church having filled up the membership form and given it to your cell leader for transmission to the church council. So if you haven't filled up your membership form, please contact your cell leaders, collect the forms from them, fill it up and return it. And cell leaders can collect the forms from Brother Francis. In order to be a worker, you should have read the statement of faith of Bread of Life Fellowship and you must accept it fully and without doubts. And finally, point number five, you must have gone through at least one level of the discipleship training program before you can join a ministry. These are the five requirements in order for you to step in as a worker. If you are deficient in these areas, please see how you can rectify that. And then, let's go forward from there. I also need to mention this. Please recognize that the church council has the right to determine as to which ministry has the greater need and post you into that ministry. Because you can say, I am a great talent of a singer. I am an opera singer. But remember, we don't want your talent as an opera singer. We want your submission to the Lord. It is God who is going to make you sing. And therefore, if the church feels that, no, we need you to be in the usher's ministry, that's where you're going to be. Okay, so that the decision to serve the Lord must be unconditional. Let me close, and we'll close by playing one more song, and then it's called, Come to the Banquet.
2: Come to the Banquet, there's a place for to the banquet, there's a place for you. See you are an honoured guest, from constant serving you may rest. So sit you down, be fed and blessed, for you are welcome, come. Come to the banquet, there's a place for you. Wise one, mother maiden See your plate with food is laden And your place is set and waiting You are welcome a place of rest and grace and you are welcome. Come. Come to the banquet, there's a place for you. Here is one who runs to meet you, loving arms stretched out to greet you. Do not let your fear defeat you, you are welcome.
1: Spread with yeast and salt and labour shed Let all the hungry ones be fed It's time for feasting, come.
2: come Come to the banquet, there's a place for you Abundant, wide enough for all Our generous, loving hostess called. the cup of blessing Now is poured for sweet communion
3: There's a place for you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I hope all of you are blessed. It's a very powerful message. How many of you agree? Thank you. Some of you, we may not agree. What is powerful message? Powerful message is, you know what is? You are touched in your heart. The message touches you. He touches me in many ways. I was little bitty, I was in tears. Why? It is right message, right time. You know, I have to tell you this. We do not know. We don't discuss what you are going to preach. But we know who and who are all preaching one month before. I know next week I am preaching. I do not know today. I know it one month before. I was preparing a message. Same as was pastors preached. In line with. So what do we understand? We have one spirit. The Lord leads us. Different times we prepare different places. But message is one. Because God is concerned about you. That's why God gave this message. There are much more to say, but it is not a time for me to tell. Next week you are going to hear what God has been using. One thing unique in this church is how this message is very powerful. I do not know how many of you have noticed, all of us, in this council... We don't quote anything from anywhere, from somebody. We always quote from our own life. With the word. Because what we preach, the way we live. The way we lived or in the past or today, that's what we preach. All of us, whether pastor, I used to remember Brother Kenneth, Pastor Sean, me, Brother Claudie, how many of you noticed that we always relate our life? So in the same way, that should be your experiences as well. So before we close, please bow down your head. Think about, recollect the message, what God has spoken to you. If it is touches your heart... And really God is speaking to you and there is a conviction, there is a lead that you wanted to serve the Lord and you have known and heard about the conditions. If it is true God is speaking to you, if you believe that this message is a powerful message and God has spoken to you, please lift up your hand. Please lift up your hand. God is watching you. Not alone me. It is God who watches over you. If you lift up your hands, God honors you. You are lifting up your hand by faith, not in you, but in him. In his word. Because God is the one who is going to help you to serve him. God accepts. Today is the remarkable day. Today is the day God has spoken to you. Today is the day that you make a commitment before God. Today is the day that you desire to come forward to serve Him. Today is the day that is the calling for you because God has spoken. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God is in our midst, God has spoken to us. God touches your heart. Today is the day for you to step forward in faith, in God, in his word. When you take one step forward, the rest of the steps, God will take your hand and he will lead you. Because it is God's house. It is God who called you. It is God who commanded you. God has saved you to serve him. hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please stand to your feet. Please stand to your feet, all of you. All of you, please stand to your feet. Wait upon the Lord, God is here. God has ministered to you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. The presence of God is here. God's presence is here. God sees your heart. God sees your mind. What you are thinking. Why you may be. Some of you may be thinking. Why not me? Why not me? If it is there. Today is the day for you to take a step. Forward to come forward to serve the Lord. God honors you. Hallelujah. Whatever the weaknesses you have. Whatever the things you think that you cannot do it. But God says. You can do it. Why not? Hallelujah. 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 We thank God. Hallelujah the church. Please thank God. Thanking God for his presence. Thank God for his word. Thank God for speaking to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Acknowledge him. God is besides you. God is besides you. Don't think about who is next to you in your left or right. But God is there. He is there to see you. To see your heart. The depth of your heart. What you are thinking. What you are desiring. God is the one who honors you. The promise for us is, this year, God will fulfill the desires of you. Because God hears you. When you pray today, when you commit yourselves today, in the presence of God, and voice out, and say about your desire, God will fulfill that in the days to come. And it will come to pass. For the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Shalabaya. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you for the wonderful day and the wonderful time that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord, for the word that you have spoken to us through your servant. Lord, it is not by us, it is by you alone, O oh Father. Your word as the power. Lord, your word as the life. We live because of your, your word, O oh Father thank you lord for your servant our pastor thank you lord for your word thank you lord for each and every one of us lord we are privileged to hear your word lord such a wonderful word lord it is you who spoken to us it is you who called us lord it is because you loved us we are called us because you want us to serve in your kingdom lord we thank you for the privilege and it is our pleasure, Lord, to serve you in this, through this church in this land for your glory. Very especially, I thank you for your children, those who are raised up their hands, O oh, Father. Lord, you are not only seeing their hands, you are seeing their heart. Today is the day as they step forward. Lord, I commit them all into thy hand. Lord, you hold their hands and take them away. Lord, you use them. Continue to speak to them. Confirm your words to them, O Father. Let them take a bold step today, O Father, as they have taken. Lord, continue to lead them, O Father. Through your word, Lord, let them come and say, Here I am. Speak to me. Here I am. Yes, Lord. This is your confirmation to your children. Father, we pray and we believe there are many more. Yet to come in the days to come. As you fulfill your promises in our life, Lord, let it be in each and every one of us, O Father. Thank you once again for this day. Thank you once again for each and every one of us. As we prayed in the beginning, we are not going to leave us as we enter. We will leave this place rejoicingly, glorifying your name, because peace is our portion. Yes, Lord. Until we meet again, as we are going to come tomorrow for the intercession, for the preparation for the Monday, Lord, bring us a Lord, Lord, with one heart and one mind, in one spirit. Lord, we also especially pray for the Monday, the special day, the victorious day, that we are desired for all these months, O Father. Lord, in everything, we are going to glorify your name. Lord, bring your people, those who are invited. They are not invited by us, there is a special day for them, special invitation for them. They, Lord, when they come, they will receive your blessings, O oh, Father. We thank you. Once again, we commit the choir, the musician, as they are preparing even in this night, O oh, Father. Let them have the special grace, O oh, Father, the strength, the oneness in spirit. Let them see and experience your glorious presence while they are practicing itself, O oh, Father. Thank you once again for accepting our prayers. In Jesus' most exalted name we pray. Let us share the grace together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Amen. As we pray, the Lord will answer. Amen. Go in peace. The God be with you.